Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let me see. I'm John Verhoeven, and I've worked as a cop. I was in forensics. I was in the air wing. World class. And I was a New South Wales firefighter. Top shelf. Have I... Have I left anything out? Nope, that's all I did. Oh, wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families, and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling, and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello, and welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Every week, I talk to my dad, John Verhoeven, about his time as a policeman, firefighter, and now we're talking about, well, this season, we're talking about his time running a funeral home back in the 90s. Dad, how the bloody hell are you? Paul? Yeah. You know that I'm a man of few words? Uh, I, would, I think people who listen to this show would strenuously disagree, but go ahead. Well... Dad, listen, this is a podcast about your time, you know, running a funeral home and what mm. it was like dealing with dead people. Last right. episode, something really, really spooky happened. You started talking about all these fucking ghost stories. And we had a whole bunch of people send in ghost stories of their own. And feel free to keep sending those, by the way, because we will have a look at those this Friday on our Loose End special... But we actually kind of got off track last episode, Dad, because we were going to talk about this one specific day, about six months into your tenure, helping run Kinsella Funeral Homes back Mm. in the 90s. And I guess the thing that I wanted to find out was, okay, in a regular nine-to-five job, you have a whole bunch of, or even in shift work in the emergency services, you have a very specific type of day. And through Loose Units and Electric Blue, I think I kind of got out of you, you know, the sort of overall impression of what a day in the life of a person in whatever job is like. But as far as the funeral home goes, I don't think we've actually been into, all right, you go to work and then you clock off, but what happens in between? And you said, Paul, there's this one specific day that sticks out for you. So without further ado, would you like to walk myself and the listeners through this day that took place about six months into your time at Kinsella? Would I like to? I guess... No, I wouldn't like to, but I will. (laughs) Okay. Because, listeners, spoiler alert, Mm. we're about to cover something that's pretty fucked up, and it's going to be a cot death. So some of you listening might go, you know what? 
I don't feel like listening to a story about a cot death, but let me just punctuate that by saying that after the cot death story, which will take us all into a pretty dark place, I'm then going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum and tell a, an incredible story that is slightly, definitely more upbeat. So how's that sound, Paul? We do something pretty pretty heavy? All right, you mentioned that there was a child involved in this uh, in this episode. I didn't mm. realize that it was a cot death. That's going to be extraordinarily triggering for a lot of people. Mm. But okay, so obviously when you went to work that morning, uh, when you got to work... No, well, I remember the day very, very... Well, it was an incredible day insofar as the entire day was, dare I say it, action-packed. Uh, but the thing that, that started the entire day was... I was lying in bed and people might say, well, okay, how can you remember that? I remember when I was three years old and I remember when JFK was shot and I remember exactly what room I was in in a house in Armidale. I don't remember. Some people say, oh, do you know, like I I know where I was in 69 for the moon landing. I was in a little classroom. I know I remember these things, but I don't remember... A lot of things, I, like there are some things that people might assume you remember where you were and, and it's a bit of a cliche. People go, oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I do remember this day in, in incredible detail because I remember waking up and the wind was actually actually buffeting our windows. Right. The rain was coming in vertically and I thought to myself, because I knew what I had to do that morning. I knew I had to be involved with the funeral service of a tiny baby now cot death is a generic term it's actually SIDS sudden infant death syndrome I remember uh, knowing what I was in for that day or right thinking I knew do the listeners recall when Christine was about to give birth to Anne and I worked that day and I had to go to a cot death and we had to actually drag one of the paramedics off the baby have I told you that story? Yes, I believe you have. Okay. So yes. I just re- remember that this was the worst possible thing that I could do in the funeral industry. It was the absolute pits. So I got to the uh, the funeral home, Kinsella's, uh, very early that morning. How, how early? What time, roughly? Oh, seven. Okay. The funeral was going to be a graveside service, so a little ceremony at the grave. Mm-hmm. So this story, on so many levels, is really sad. The first sad part of the story is that when I rocked up, um, Barry felt that I was um, more than capable enough to to run this little service by myself. And the listeners might think, by yourself? Uh, but yes, as, as the story unfolds, you will all begin to realise what a really poignant and sad affair this was, and sad for many, many reasons. And we didn't use a hearse because, well, I'll explain oh, why we yeah, didn't use a hearse. Yeah, yeah, just walk, walk us through chronologically so that when those things happen... Okay, kind cool, of, yeah, cool, because yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit all over the shop with this story because okay. it's pretty, okay. pretty intense. But so you've, you've, it's okay, so you've rocked up, you know, it's 7 o'clock and you know that you're going to have to basically bury a, a, a baby, right? Mm, a baby so, that was about... Um, maybe eight months old. Oh, Jesus. So they'd had the baby for eight months. It was their first baby. We had to... We had a fairly large supply of coffins. Um, we 
may have had up to between, say, 15 and 25 coffins at any given time. Mm-hmm. But we didn't keep tiny coffins. And a baby's coffin, if the listeners would like to imagine just getting your hands and separating them to about maybe 70 or 80 centimetres or two feet. Mm-hmm. So that's the length of the little coffin. In my experience, they were always white and they were the exact shape of a full-sized coffin, and we all can visualize the shape. I had to prepare the little coffin, so I had to take the lid off, and I had to line the coffin with um, white, nice white material, Mm -hmm. and a little sort of, like a little tiny mattress and a little pillow. This, This story is fucked on every level. Then I had to... So make the little coffin, and I had it on a workbench. I wanted to make it really, really nice, obviously. Okay, so that's pretty, pretty sad. And then I, because remember, remember listeners and Paul, that I'm doing this whole story. Oh, shit, not the story, but the funeral. I was running the whole thing by myself. So I was going to be the only member of staff going to the funeral, which is really unusual. How did you feel about that? Well, I was honoured. Having children of our own, we, I mean, it's, Look, obviously, most people in the world would have extreme empathy in this case. So once I'd set the little coffin up um, and had the lid off to one side, and the weather was really bad, which kind of made things even worse. If it had been a beautiful sunny day, that could have been at least pretty pleasant in a way. But it was all pretty bad and all downhill, so to speak. And then I had to go over to the little mortuary, which we had in the courtyard. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had to open up um, a fridge and I had to... Now, I could have used a, a gurney, but obviously the baby didn't weigh much. So I picked up the little baby that was in a sort of a little white cloth, like a little bag. And I carried the baby in my arms across the courtyard into the garage and then over to the area where I had the little coffin and I then unwrapped the little baby, and then the parents that I um, knew, and I'll tell you what happened with them shortly, but they had asked that I dress the baby in some clothing, which I did, put a little bonnet on, had a little teddy bear, but they'd requested something about the teddy that I'll I'll go into later, because with the teddy, I um, didn't put the teddy inside the coffin. And then at that point, I had this feeling that I needed to sort of share this terrible experience. So I went into the office and I brought Christine out into the garage. And she, um, we both stood there and just looked at the little baby. And it was just, the baby was just, looked as though it was sleeping. Um, Can I just say, first of all, I know you don't sound like this is affecting you now at all. But I think for a lot of our listeners, this will be really, really upsetting. When you called mum into the uh, to the room to kind of, you know, be with you, was it because you were struggling to be alone in there? Well, I just thought it was sad that I was doing all this by myself and I had a feeling that Christine might want to perhaps just, you know. But when I went in to see Christine, she was in the office, I told her and she made a decision And it could have been her decision may have been that she felt 
that I needed someone to be with me. I think she was doing that in sort of solidarity to help me. I obviously thought it was very, very important for her to... I wanted actually Christine to actually see... Maybe it was a matter of Christine seeing and understanding what I was actually doing. Yeah. Because unless you see it... um, And your comment a few minutes ago about I seem to be um, coping, well... I'm, 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 yeah, I'm coping. I'm talking, but yeah. I'm still like it's freaking me out reliving the story. I can assure you. So that might not be coming across in my voice, but I can assure you that it's very stressful telling this story. Do you remember how it felt on the day? Well, I was a professional, so people go into this professional mode. Can you imagine if all the doctors and nurses and ambos and fireys and police completely unraveled every time they went to a terrible job it's so you just basically can't you need to you are a pillar you are the strength the family the people around you rely on your professionalism right and um you just do what you have to do and i I was pretty good at going into this this mode but look you know imagine i'm carrying the little baby across the courtyard I mean, I could have dropped to my knees and bloody wept, but I mean, you once you go down that path, not that you've got a lot of control over these things, but I think when I was younger, I definitely had more resilience, and uh, plus also, it's a very important role, and I want to make this a really, really special day for the mum and dad, really important. So Christine came over, we stood there, I think you know, look, it was just a moment of silence. Christine and I didn't speak. Yeah. It was like a reverent, respectful situation. We have three children that, thank God, are all, you know, living and with no major dramas. And, and, and I, I worked with a firefighter. I worked with a fireman. He and I, were, we were work buddies. And he, uh, he and his wife, their first baby, died of uh, sudden infant death syndrome. And boy, oh boy. And you don't know what to say to these people. And, uh, you, you know, you can't say, oh, you've come back to work too early. You can't say, boy, you're, you're, you're a tough... I mean, you can't, we have no right to put our own, project our own feelings as to how we would feel. You, you have no right to put your feelings onto someone else. You don't know what's going down. Basically, I then had to get the little coffin. Mm-hmm. I put the lid on. Uh, Christine was with me when I did that. And I then had to get a, um, like a little name plaque and I engraved the name of the baby on the little plaque and then I attached that to the top of the, uh, of the coffin. Now, the coffin didn't have little handles. Uh, it was just basically the, the coffin without the handles. Tiny little name tag. Um, the teddy bear, the instructions were that the teddy bear would go on top of the coffin as it was being lowered into the uh, into the grave so you obviously get in touch with this cemetery and they dig a tiny tiny little hole a uh, little little grave and um, you know they do it by hand they don't need a machine and the weather was terrible and I put the little coffin in the back seat of a sedan one of our black uh, sedans and I drove off I mean, I, the listeners know that I've driven around Sydney with some weird things in the front of the car, mm-hmm. but this little coffin was sitting in the middle of the bench sheet 
bench seat at the back. And I then drove to a uh, fairly nondescript location and I picked up the parents, the mother and father. Mm-hmm. And they were young. They were mid-twenties. And he was wearing a really nice suit. She was dressed beautifully. I got out. I had an umbrella. I opened up the passenger door and, and let the mum in and then went round and let the dad in. And there they sat. They didn't say one word. I drove them from a suburb on the northern beaches to a cemetery. And the cemetery was a good half hour away. And it was raining. There's no one talking. Occasionally I'd look in the rear vision mirror. Mm-hmm. And just see them sitting there, you know, ashen-faced, uh, pale, not crying, holding each other's hands. And that was a surreal moment for me where I just thought, I just thought, wow, this is, you can't even imagine what it's like. Then we rocked up to this uh, funeral, uh, this, this this cemetery, the northern, what's it called? It's up at um, near Ride. It's massive, absolutely huge cemetery. And I drove into the cemetery and there was this Anglican minister who was a sweet guy, Mm. but kind of, um, I would describe him as being sort of a bit sad, but not sad on that day, just generally kind of slightly sad and and not not, not a social, sociable type of person, slightly dysfunctional, dare I say it, Um, you know, very introverted, awkward shy, which is all the weird attributes that you do not expect for a minister. He'd driven his little car. I then said to him, look, because I have to go into the office and fill out a few forms. The mum and yeah. dad are, and the baby are still in the in the sedan. He's sort of standing around then, and the weather was terrible. And I then get a map, and then they mark with an X where I've got to go. Yeah. Because cemeteries, as we will find out in future episodes, can be very confusing. I got... Um, all the details, and then I drove through the uh, the maze of little streets and alleys and eventually saw an undertaker, a sweet guy just standing there with his uh, with his shovel mm-hmm. and something out of it. It's, it's, it. it's truly like something out of a, like a movie. And it was punctuated by the fact that I've got a mother and father, I've got the little baby, I've got one minister, and there's myself. There were no relatives at the funeral. Not one relative. Is that normal? No. But it's not my business to say to them, oh, God, like, hey, where is everyone? Can you imagine? Like, that is the last thing. It's none of my business. I'm there to perform a function. And I remember they, I got them to carry the little coffin so the husband, I opened the door for him. He came out, stood. I've got an umbrella and I'm standing. Then we open up the passenger door. The, the mother gets out. Then I reach in like one of that couple held the umbrella for me. I've yeah. reached in and I've grabbed the little coffin and I'm sort of holding it. And then somehow or other, it was a bit of, bit of a sort of muddle where I then had to grab the umbrella and we sort of, they passed the umbrella to me and I passed the little coffin to them and together uh, and we were all pretty wet by that stage and the Anglican minister he had this umbrella and he was standing over near the grave 
and the three of us walked over. So if you include the undertaker or the grave digger, uh, there were five people. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. And it was blowing a gale. Okay. And the wind and the rain, right. and everything's just sort of pretty, pretty sad. And I remember uh, the father. And mother, they then reached down. I'd prepared the little coffin above the hole. And normally you'd have at least four men or adults to lower a a big coffin. But I had the little ropes around this tiny little coffin. And I was standing there with one sort of straddling the little um, grave, uh, foot either side. And I'm holding and sort of balancing the coffin, these two ropes. I'm holding it, and it's sort of suspended in air above. And then they reach down and put a tiny little teddy bear on top of the coffin. And then I looked across, and I'm looking at the Anglican minister whose gowns were were sort of blowing around in the wind. And then something happened that I, to this day, I kind of think about it. And I looked, and at the time I looked, and it just kind of was weird. And really sad in a very very i'm trying to think of the right word to describe what i'm about to say but as if this situation is not dreadfully depressing what happened was his umbrella blew inside out and i'm looking at his umbrella that was now not functioning and he felt a little bit awkward but to have a minister's umbrella blow inside out at this particular point in time 
I'm not going to say it was a humorous moment, but it definitely had a sense of theatre, if, if that's at least I'm trying to portray how I perceive yeah. that particular thing. Now, I then lowered the little coffin into the, the grave, mm-hmm. and then I had to then pull the cords, like these straps, and you get to pull them from one side only. But because the little coffin hardly weighed anything, I had to be very, very delicate because what could have happened is that I could have inadvertently flipped the coffin on its side, which would have been very traumatic. If you're lowering full-sized coffins and you've got pallbearers, but this is just you just in, a, in a storm, basically. In a storm. Uh, and at that point, I had no umbrella. Mm-hmm. I was drenched. I'm looking at a equally wet young, young mother and father. Yeah. I couldn't tell if anyone was crying because all our faces were dripping wet. I then drove them home and there was nothing said all the way home. It was really fucked up and depressing and I just needed, I needed some, you know, I needed a shot of something. And then that afternoon, we had a massive, massive funeral to do in a huge cemetery way down south. As I said, our cemeteries, our cemeteries, our funerals could be held anywhere Mm. um, in the metropolitan area. Now, this was a very famous cemetery that I had never been to before. And it was a Catholic service. And the Catholic service, it's a service uh, that was held. They had a mass at the graveside. Pretty unusual. Uh, Most Catholic services are held in a cathedral or a church. Hang on, the whole mass was done by the... The mass was done. It was a graveside service. It was was beautiful and it was amazing. Um, But a couple of small things, minor problems. Um, First problem was that when we... Uh, we got we we got the coffin, and it was a it was a, an, an elderly Italian gentleman. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was a big guy. He was in a big coffin. It was an oversized coffin. Right. And what we had to do is that Barry Kinsella, his job was to notify the cemetery. They mm-hmm. would have to um, create an oversized hole. We're talking a, a big hole. Yeah. And. We had the hearse, we had the coffin, we had the casket, the, 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 the casket flowers. Everything was perfect. And it was like we had to drive to the top of this mountain. And at the very, very highest point in this cemetery was a crowd of at least 500 people. I could see them as we turned into the cemetery main gates. Jesus. And our job, because Barry had organized the, the, the hole, mm-hmm. the size, because it was an oversized coffin, yeah, and more and most importantly, he'd organised a Catholic priest. Obviously, very important. Big Catholic wedding, big Catholic priest. Okay, you, Paul, you just said big Catholic wedding. You mean big Catholic funeral? Sorry, Sorry. big Catholic funeral. I get yeah. those two mixed up, which is I know, I know. W- yeah. weird. Yeah, they're both sort of yeah. yeah. So, as we drive into the now, this story, I just this is one of the great. This is a great story. We turned into the cemetery mm-hmm. and there were three of us squeezed into the front of this um, hearse because it's a bench seat and it's yeah. crowded with three people. And then I look over to the right and they're standing sort of 
in this weird kind of almost, he was almost in, in a trance, get ready for this, Paul, was the Anglican minister from the funeral of the baby Wait. that morning. Wait, well, oh. Obviously, obviously, it's just a coincidence. He did the, the, the sad funeral in the morning. Obviously, he's doing another funeral there. That Arvo, isn't he? Oh, and you've bumped into him, and, and I just waved, and he and he came over to the hearse, and he said, "Oh, um, can I get a lift up to the the top of the hill?" And I went, "Why?" And he said, "I'm here to do the the whatever whatever family." And I went, hey, "And what?" I said, "No." I said, "I said this is a Catholic mass, and all the blood drained out of my face, and his face, and all our faces." My, my freckle, my sphincter muscle tightened, snapped shut, and I thought, I'm fucked. This is a nightmare. I've got 500 people on a hill waiting for us, and Barry booked, he double booked this Anglican minister. So no Catholic priest. Now, Paul and listeners, this is a moment I'm both proud of and ashamed of, because we then had to get him into the hearse as well. We looked like it looked like a, a, a silent movie from the nineteen twenties, like the Keystone Cops. There were now four of us squashed into this hearse. Now I used to carry and dear mum, block your ears, my mother, listeners, is a daily churchgoer, but I used to keep an emergency supply of holy water. Did you know that, Paul? Some people uh, keep umbrellas in the in, it, the in in the little compartment in the door. Does this mean the next season is actually going to be you know, so it's police, fire brigade, uh, funeral home, and then monster hunter? Because you know, holy water is very useful if you're you know well, hunting. I I now listeners and mum again. I hope your ears are still blocked. I had an emergency. Uh, let me let me call it an emergency bottle of holy yeah. water. Yeah, but this particular bottle that I had was a was a statue of the Virgin Mary with a screw off crown. Are you? Is this a? Is this a? Are you doing a bit, Paul? Yeah. I had an emergency bottle of holy water, which was a statue of the Virgin Mary with a screw off crown. Okay? Yeah. Now, I gingerly picked up my emergency <laughs> bottle of holy water. I passed it over to the Anglican minister who was shitting himself badly. Just, and I said to just him... Just to be Do you clear... Know what I, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, just to be clear, what you're trying to tell me is you had a Anglican minister who was going to have to basically oversee an enormous Catholic funeral. Mm -hmm. And yep. that is and that is not the done thing, right? Uh, it's that is so bad. It's that so it's bad. Terrible. Okay. So now, yeah. what I did and Mum, keep those ears blocked. Because then what so I've handed him the emergency uh, statue. Yep. Full of holy water. I then had to give him and I only had minutes to do it. And we're all squeezed. I could hard, we could hardly drive the hearse. We were like four gimps in a little fun car at a circus. 
And as we're driving up the hill, I could see this crowd, and they're all waiting in anticipation. I had to give this Anglican minister a crash course in the rite of the Catholic funeral. Oh, my God. And this is the thing that I really, really sort of... I mean, he was wearing purple vestments, which was really cool, because he got that right. But the other thing is, Paul, that I said at a Catholic funeral... We used lots of holy water. So I said to him, I want you to actually, and I had to demonstrate screwing the little crown off the Virgin Mary. Uh I said, you are going to have to be very liberal with this holy water. When in doubt, splash it out. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. Now, I, being a a Catholic, um, there's a little thing called the Our Father, which pretty well everyone listening will probably know. And in the Catholic faith, at the very end of the Our Father, mm-hmm. um, you just basically stop. But the Anglican go on to say, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, world without end, I mean, something like that. But the Catholics, and that's that great thing where you actually know if it's a Catholic or Anglican Presbyterian. Okay, yeah. the Catholic, that in that prayer they just don't say that last bit. Yeah, you check, I, you check you check between the legs, and if that's there, then you know it's a boy. Hmm. Yeah. So I said to this minister, I said, at the end when you are reciting, and everyone there will be five hundred people reciting the Our Father. <laughs> please, please don't say that last bit, because it'll be a giveaway. Okay. And you'll be rooted. Yeah, and they'll know. And he's, he's, he, he was clenching this plastic bottle of the Virgin Mary so hard that her little crown almost popped off. And I said, look, this is a big thing we're about to do. We're, we're essentially committing monastic fraud. Great. And I was so upset. This was one of those first big funerals where... Where I, this is my my baby. I'd 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 driven this thing, and anyway, we get out of the car. It was like we're on the Mount of Olives, or it was just this incredible sort of atmosphere, and there were yeah. people hmm. just gathered around, and we basically had to part the crowd, and we brought the coffin, and this coffin was heavy. I reckon it weighed at least 150 kilos. Right, it was massive, and. We started the big service and the Anglican minister was, he unscrewed the crown. He did it very awkwardly. And I remember he's just, he's splashing holy water around and it was brilliant. The crowd loved it. And Too much or just the right amount? No, no, he, he really, he actually, sadly, yeah. he virtually used my entire supply. Right. And where did you water. where did you get this stuff? Did you did you no, order it in? No, no, no. I I fill it with water, then have it blessed by a Catholic priest. Really? Yeah. That is wild. Very. It's very interesting. Because if there had been a vampire there, and it wasn't holy water, his face wouldn't fizz up uh-huh. and steam and bubble. So it was it was the real McCoy. What happened was, yeah, we took the slack up at the end of the service. Mm-hmm. 
And there were people in that crowd. I was keenly observing their facial expressions. Sorry, when you say you took the slack up, what does that oh, mean? Oh, on, on the ropes. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. But what happened was I was during the service, I was watching um, people's expressions uh-huh. and I was getting the sense that they sensed that the priest was not a Catholic priest. <laughs> I was starting to get this weird vibe. People were starting to think something's not quite right here. Yeah, okay. And and I would, with my best stare, uh-huh. I would stare at the minister and that stare meant, because he knew what it meant, he knew it meant more holy water. <laughs> this is okay? so stupid. No, yeah, it's okay. insane. I mean, honestly, Paul, <laughs> Yeah. if I had made this up, I... <laughs> Should be writing for Seinfeld, sure, because okay, it's in well. that. It's just so incredible. But like the great things yeah. in life that are real, they're just great. You can't. This is incredible. But two more terrible things that I'm about to tell you happened. Okay. Possibly one of the most horrific things that I've ever seen, and this is a slightly supernatural story. Oh, good. Yeah, is that when we went to lower the coffin. Yep. Into the hole, mm-hmm. it didn't go in. It got stuck. Stuck? What do you mean? Just stuck. They had not dug an oversized hole. We had an oversized coffin. Hang on. So this is for a big, big, big lad, and a Massive. big, big, big coffin, and the and the coffin hole is a regular sized regular. hole. Barry had not organised for the grave diggers to do an oversized hole. Right. And the coffin went down about six inches and stopped at the four handles. Now, these handles that are chrome-plated plastic, bearing in mind, listeners, this was a hot summer's day in eastern Sydney. And if you read the Guinness Book of Records about feats of incredible human strength. There was a very, very, very well-reported documented case of a lady who lifted the back of a car off the ground and dragged her son out from underneath. That is a factual story. Superhuman strength. What happened was Adam Kinsella, who at the time was about... He was very late teens. He Mm -hmm. He was like a surfy guy, had long blonde hair... He was the nicest, sweetest guy. He was just a a truly lovely bloke. Yeah. He was one of the guys. And realising that what was stopping the coffin going down were the four handles. Now, at this point, I'd just like to tell you and the listeners how these handles are put on. Each handle, at least when I was in the funeral business, had two nails on each side of the handle. So each okay. handle had four nails, but the nails weren't just driven in through into the coffin. They were driven at angles because if they were driven straight in, they'd then puncture the inside of the coffin. Yep. So they were driven in at 45 degrees so as not to protrude on the inside. Now, if you drive a nail in at 45 degrees, it's utterly or nearly impossible to get the nail out. Imagine four of these nails per handle. And listeners, get ready for uh, for this little bit of the story. And this is one of these things that we all witnessed and I saw it and I thought this is a, almost a miracle. Poor Adam 
He dropped to his knees. He was so upset and so stressed. And he reached down. So he's on one knee and he puts one hand on the top of the coffin and he then took a grip around these handles, like one at a time, and he just pulled the handles off the coffin with such superhuman strength. And he did it not once, not twice. He did it four times, once for each handle. So he's literally pulling four nails out for each handle that were driven in at 45 degrees. Um, I would describe that as almost impossible, but he did it. That's that incredible stress that gave him super, almost supernatural power. So then, the, the, the combination sorry. of hundreds of people watching oh, this... 500 people watching. And They've that already, stress plus the, the, plus the clearly fake priest has just given him a surge of strength. Okay. Correct. But what I did, yeah. when I realized that the coffin was stuck, mm-hmm. if Adam had not been able to get the handles off... We would have had to have covered the coffin and basically finished the service, which would be so terrible. And then done the kind of actual logistical stuff later, later, right? Yeah. Yeah. But what I did, I I sort of, I I was thinking fairly quickly and I hadn't, Adam, Adam had not pulled the handles off the coffin at that stage. And I thought I need to, I need to, to seize the moment. I need to, I need to to do to rescue this shit storm yeah and i walked over to the wife who was this lovely lovely lady grieving and i put my arms around her and i whispered something in her ear would you like to know what i said do you know uh, what i said to her what i said to her uh, whatever the husband's name was i said such and such i said he he just didn't want to go and she smiled at me. So I feel as I semi-saved that awkward moment. So let me get this straight, Dad. This woman, uh, her uh, fairly Rubenesque husband is not fitting in the hole. And mm. there's a fake Anglican priest just spritzing the shit out of everyone with holy water yep. to compensate yep. for his Anglicanness. Mm. And, the, and the coffin won't go in the grave. So you turn to the bereaved and say, <laughs> oh, it's probably because he doesn't want to go. Was that a fucking dad joke you told to just... It's all I could think of at the time, and I thought it, I got the impression that it kind of worked. Oh, okay. Um, Did she laugh? Uh, not laugh, not not heartily, right. but she kind of acknowledged. Um, maybe she thought this guy's really pathetic, and I anyway, whatever. But Paul, yeah. yeah. Once the handles were ripped off, mm-hmm. we lowered the coffin. Great. And then the uh, the the pseudo priest yep. that I that I'd trained up he, he had not gone to a seminary which catholic priests do for seven years i'd given him about a a, a 30 second overview of, of a catholic service uh-huh. and um and then the high point of the of the day is if all that's not bad enough is that um we began he began to say the uh the our father and it was going really 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 well until 500 people stopped and he kept going. He was the only person Fuck. who said, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, world without end, amen. And every single person just looked. And it was kind of really bad because that was that final... It was like getting a stamp, a big rubber stamp, 
and going up to him and just sticking this huge stamp on his forehead that said phony. And it was just terrible. I gave him a stare (laughs) that probably made him feel terrible. But it was so ingrained in his whole DNA. Now, that's the day, Paul. That was my day, and that was a, a most memorable day. Oh, my God. Dad, that's, there's so much to unpack there. Mm. There's, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, not least of which is you having a secret stash of holy water, mm. you know, which is, which is insane. Mm. Um, okay. Well, look, that was really, really, really interesting. We have got uh, a really big week planned. It's Father's Day um, coming up this weekend. So, obviously, we've got a lot of stuff planned. I mean, you know, uh, Electric Blue came out a few weeks back. And if you haven't already got a copy, grab a copy for Father's Day. It's a perfect gift for dads. But also, feel free to send us in some um, lovely emails and messages. Go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash loose units and leave us some messages for the Father's Day uh, Loose Ends episode this Friday. And if you have any more ghost stories, feel free to send those through as well. And if you haven't already, go across and check out Dad's fantastic photography website at jfvphotography.com and you can buy one of his amazing prints because his photography is fucking fantastic. Paul, you're very kind. No problem. Now, Paul, Um, I was thinking maybe this, um, because we don't get to see each other and it's Father's Day. Yeah. Maybe we could have a little um, whiskey together. That sounds great. In virtual, um, in virtual time, is that right? Is that how you say it, virtual? Or? I think I might crack into some Sullivan's Cove or something. Um, but I'll call you on Zoom and we can have a Father's Day drink. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks. Mate. Amazing. Love you, Dad. All right. Well, look, everyone, have a really safe week. Be good to each other, and we'll see you at the end of the week for some loose ends. Bye. Bye. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.